one quick pause. I got to get the squirt bottle to chase the cat. I will. I will sit here. <laughs> it's that. It's a Monday. Yes. Right back. Recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays we go over uh, probably an all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, uh, best known in your world as uh, Jim's co-host on the Rocketeer Minute, uh, also a celebrated airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Back in the saddle again. Yes, indeed. It's old home week. (laughs) Keep trying to get away, but they keep driving you back. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I'm uh, I'm coming fresh off of half an hour of uh, beating on my brand new computer that's just decided instead of booting, it'll just blue screen over and over and over. So it's it's, it's obviously uh, technological terrors are everywhere. (laughs) Even even now it is. They are indeed. Uh, um, so the Andromeda strain, huh? Yeah, yeah, an interesting <laughs> film, an interesting. And I, you know, I have to be. I, I have to tell you, I am frankly amazed that you had not seen Andromeda Strain. That really just floored you, me. You know, that really is weird. And there's a few, uh, there's a few little gaps like that for somebody who's been a, a movie nerd and frankly an avid movie collector for more than half of my adult life. There's some there's some weird gaps, and a lot of those I won't uh, I won't admit to because I will quietly rectify those. The Andromeda Strain is something I've been aware of most of my life. Um, you know, I kind of think of it oh, it's one of those cool sci-fi classics, and and uh, you know, of course, now when you think Michael Crichton, I, I think you tend to think Jurassic Park maybe first and foremost, and so you know you think you sort of seek out other other works by them. It's been on the shelf for years. You know, in the A's, <laughs> and, <laughs> right up front, uh, yeah, right up front, and it was just one that I'd uh, that I'd somehow managed to miss, and you know, I, there's there's something you know deeply wrong with me in that uh, um, if I own the movie, if I have it in the library, that's just about as good as having seen it. Ah. <laughs> it's like it's because I know I could watch it at any time, even though yeah. it's taken me what how many weeks. Uh, of you saying, hey, hell, we ought to do, uh, you know, do some episodes and me saying, yeah, but I haven't seen it. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like having uh, an encyclopedia and you might not have read through the X uh, volume, but it's there. It's, it's that's wa- true. It's waiting for you. That's and, exactly so, right. And so, it makes me look smarter having it on yeah. the shelf. Of <laughs> course, Right up front. Yeah. Now, I got to ask in your um, in your DVD uh, library. Do you go A through Z and then the numbers? Do you put the? Do you spell out phonetically the uh, numbers like 1984 or 2001? Is that in the fr- top right. front or is it down in the T's? So it uh, it depends on how it's written at the spine. So for me, numbers go first uh, okay. if they are truly numerical. But uh, I'm trying to think of an example. So like uh, 28 days later, for example, would be uh, would be up there at the top. Uh, but if I remember correctly. 13 days is actually spelled yes. out in the title. Yes. So I think I have that in the T's. Ah, uh, okay. We are, we are copacetic on that because I have so, like, um, yeah, I have 1941 is my lowest numbered uh, uh, thing. So I have that there. But, I think you know. nine is probably my, my lowest number. And yet, uh, I just, have the the three hundred, which I normally ignore the thes, but the oh. three hundred is under the t's. Well, because t h t h the the yeah. three hundred, so you know you're 
you're okay. And I think the the important thing is to have a really strict and completely arbitrary set of rules that you stick to with fanaticism, and then you make exceptions uh, because you can, because yeah. you know no nobody cares but me. Um, you know, my uh, my dear wife Muffy loves uh, that I have a movie collection and is happy to send me down to, to to retrieve something. So the filing and organizing is entirely entirely left up to me. I should point out that uh, I know some people organize by genre, and I I've been seduced by that a little bit here and there. But I've I've resisted because I just I, my genres would get too complicated. <laughs> you know, too quickly. So I stick with alphabetics. Then I go, I've got a few different things. So my Marvel movies live together. Uh, you know, anything Star Wars related lives together. Then I've got uh, like an entire Jerry Anderson section that then kind of leads you into television. And then there's nonfiction television and ephemera at the end. I have a terrible feeling we have the same collection. It's really it's, <laughs> very, very frightening. There, it would but, not uh, would not surprise yeah, me in the my, slightest. My my wife my wife goes by blockbuster order. She has her dramas ah. and her comedy, and it, I, I twitch and think. But you know, we we found marital bliss by having two uh, cases of uh, of DVDs. So she oh, has her, that's an interesting her DVDs way to do it. And, and it's uh, uh-huh. you know happy happy life, happy wife. So I'm absolutely. You know, I'm right, right with you. Um, so, first impressions on uh, on Andromeda's family after watching it. So, <clears throat> you know, it's it's always fascinating to me to go back to a movie from that era because you're you're always expecting it to be dated, and I I I try certainly on a first viewing like this. I I don't want to um, I don't want to maybe enjoy the movie for the wrong reasons or sort of you know smirk and say oh how quaint that was back then. Um, so I certainly tried to sort of recalibrate. And I, I got to say, I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of that in this movie. My my overall first impression was that uh, in today's world, certainly, um, this would have been a, a good episode of something. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a reasonably long movie. Was it two, two hours, 10, two hours, 11, something like yep. that? And... There isn't a whole lot that actually happens. No, it's. I mean, fully and one third of it is just scrubbing. Exactly that that whole you know, and we're we'll be in the middle of some of that in this uh, in our episodes this week, and that you know that really struck me. What was interesting though is I didn't get impatient with it. You know, I didn't. I wasn't sitting there sort of rolling my eyes, say, "Okay, you know, get on with it." I just was was watching and was very sort of quietly curious and interested. And you know, you've got to appreciate. Michael Crichton coming into something like this and just um, and just demanding realism, which raises questions to me about how you know how realistic were some of these procedures? Was this realism or was it just a whole lot of detail for detail's sake? Yeah, techno porn kind of a thing, just <laughs> sitting there and enjoying it for itself. Exactly, the machines and buttons well, and wires. <clears throat> well, now, Jim, since you brought the p word into the conversation, speaking of porn, um, <laughs> uh oh, I was uh, <laughs> cue the music. Um, I was a little bit. Uh, I was surprised that. Am I remembering correctly? Did I see at the beginning it's rated G? <laughs> yes, but may it be intense for some audiences? Right, but may be intense, and you know, and. I found it quite interesting, but frankly, it would bore to death most younger kids, like absolutely yeah. to death. But there was, uh, there is a brief, I think it's just footage of a still image that we see a couple of times of sort of female top half frontal nudity. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think and you get, 
you get a lot of naked butts and men's butts right. and things, and and uh, Which, the incredible carnage, the you know picking, you know cutting, slicing open wrists, and uh, oh my gosh, and, yes, and, and just being chewed apart by uh, by vultures and stuff, and and all the the literal monkey shines going on. Uh, it's rather, it's rather, it, like they said, intense for, um, imagine me being 11 years old and sitting in this movie theater w- when it came out. Right. And being able to walk into this like you'd walk in to say, uh, Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> or the, I was going to say the fox and the hound or who knows, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. who knows Pete's what. Yeah, Dragon, it wasn't, so. It, that was, uh, that was really surprising to me. And then, you know, and certainly over the years, I, you know, G became came to mean sort of less and less of of what it would what we think of it now and you know and then i i remember very clearly when pg-13 came out as this sort of compromise between you know pg and r and what and what that meant um but uh but that was you know that was startling yeah yeah it's it it really is amazing um and i i agree getting back to an earlier point that you made that it feels like an episode of like a tv show episode to me it feels like a like it was four episodes of a miniseries that this this felt like it would if it were if it were shown today it would be on Netflix it would be like four to six episodes long, right? And, uh, you know it end with a, with a cliffhanger at the end of each uh, quarter. So, um, I, yeah, and that yeah. was the the thing is that it I, I mentioned that it was a long movie, and it's you know it's engaging. If you know if you were to sort of summarize it, which well actually you know you have by. <laughs> <laughs> by writing down every line of dialogue and and everything else, but if if you just sort of were to do a little synopsis of it, it, it there's not a lot of meat that actually happens. But I wasn't bored. But I, I still think you know the whole. You said a third of it is uh, is scrubbing and cleaning, and it's all that detail stuff. You know, you could you could chop ninety percent of that. And still, if I think largely tell a lot of the same story. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think one of the things the movie is so very A to B to C. Uh, there aren't any zigzags except for you know a piece of paper stuck in the telex machine. But right, uh, other than and of course the inevitable thing that had been telegraphed for the rest of the movie for the end of, for the end of the movie. But I think. Um, I think if this had been done like in the time of Jurassic Park, they would have added a Wayne Knight character who was a spy who was deliberately trying to sabotage whatever they were doing, and it would turn out that it was you know this this was a spy satellite collecting uh, bio warfare material, and then you have this whole internal espionage um, intrigue going on. Right. Yeah. There would have been a uh, there would have been more of a of a tangible villain. Yeah, you yeah. know, for uh, us to to sort of point our fingers at and uh, and and cheer against. Yeah, giving giving us doubt as to the other the other folks in this thing. Um, I'm yeah, it, but still, it, I'm surprised. Even I mean, I, I think today's audiences are would be kind of bored by the pacing of it. It's it's at a Robert Wise Star Trek the motion picture pace. Right, that's a great comparison. Yeah, uh, but you know, we're still and to me, it's not only. I mean, it's not only techno porn, but it's also the triumph of middle-aged folks. None of, the, <laughs> none of these people are Raquel Welch in uh, Fantastic Voyage. There's no young kids that you're you're saying, "Oh gosh, I hope you know the good guy." The good guy is a uh, fellow with salt and pepper hair, and he's uh, you know he's walking along with three other people who you'd bump into an off in an office or a lab or a school somewhere. Right. And there's nothing sexy about them, but uh, it's you know you feel like 
gosh, I, I'm you know I hope there's other capable people like this in the real world who handle real world problems like well like we're facing while we're recording this. Yes, exactly. Uh, these these are that's a great point because these are the people I would want uh, you know doing the research and trying to figure out what was going on and and uh, you know making the uh, making the discoveries that they did. I know you and I had both talked uh, about uh, how much we get a kick out of. Uh, uh, was Kate Reed, uh, yeah. Ruth, Ruth Levitt. And there's something about her character that uh, I mean, she's just sort of, you know, she's wisecracking. She's a little, I don't mean this about her appearance, but there's sort of her demeanor is, has got kind of a frumpiness to it. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, she's, she's obviously some sort of a measure of comic relief, but I think she comes off as um, more, uh, as having more dimension than than just about any of the other any of the other leads. I mean, everybody does a fine job, but most of the male leads kind of have that uh, sort of regimented, um, you know, this is our character and these are our lines and this is what we're going to do. Uh, they're sort of in that box, and she is somebody that I think you could pluck out of this movie and drop into a more contemporary film, and she'd still she'd still fit in. She doesn't seem yeah. dated somehow. Oh, I agree. I think she's the voice of the audience in this in this right. movie. She's our organizing sensibility. When we're when we're handed things like you're going to do this, she's like, "What do you mean I'm going to do this? Yes. Who's I didn't sign up for this. I, I came in here to cure stuff, not scrub and have things poked and prodded on me." Um, but yeah, she does. She just she is such the heart and soul of this film. And gosh, the other the the other thing, and I've I've talked about this on previous episodes. The thing that bothers me the most is we don't examine Stone's conscience or his uh, what drives him, and I get the feeling he has a he has a kind of a Robert Oppenheimer Werner von Braun vibe to him that he knows he knows that this scoop satellite wasn't exactly sent up for altruistic purposes, right? And where he got the money from for building Wildfire that it, it had. It's it's in between the lines. You get the idea that this was a bio warfare um, test center or a research station. That the you know the reason that the the money's been stacked up is because well maybe they'll find the ultimate you know biological warfare weapon right uh, out of this project. Well, and the the whole the whole compound the whole complex is so well it's it's complex. It's so yeah. just astoundingly. Uh, you know, there's so many levels and there's so much going on and it's so, you know, it, it's conveyed as being so huge that you, you can't believe for a minute that this is a thing. Well, we're just going to build this out in the desert just in case, you know, a, a bad germ ever comes back from space. Yeah, these people are doing stuff. I mean, while, you know, while the wildfire team's there, they, they're on a particular mission, but there's got to be a bunch of other things going on there that right. they're testing on monkeys and, and yes. uh, rats and things. Uh, and and yet they still didn't have the uh, the budget to uh, to finish wiring up the rest of those uh, uh, little failsafe locks. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or consider that what a what a problem that would be if, you, if it didn't all work. Right. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, let, let's just turn on the bomb anyway. Or just <laughs> the the idea that the default setting of a nuclear self destruct device is on. Yeah. Is, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Just enjoyable. Wow. Well, let's awesome. let's dig let's dig into this minute a little bit while we're while we're here. Um, she they start out with talking about how body analyzers and things were, would be you know the AMA is going to get wind of it and 
oh my gosh, isn't that a, isn't that a funny? Isn't you know they're right. they're never going to let this happen. And I'm sitting here with uh, just within easy reach of me, I have a pulse do- dosimeter that can tell me <laughs> tell me my oxygen levels, and right. I have a sphygmometer next to my bed so I can check my blood. I mean, I can pretty much do my own diagnostics at home with about maybe 50 bucks worth of equipment exactly well not to mention you know i've got a, an apple watch on my wrist that can tell me my uh what is it, my eeg yeah yeah you know it keeps track of my heart rate and steps and can and can alert me if if i go into afib yeah um and uh yeah so wait till the ama gets wind of that <laughs> yeah. i don't know <laughs> you know yeah and it's and it's like the there's something about when you go to a doctor's office and they're, they're you're telling them your symptoms and they're looking stuff up on WebMD with their phone <laughs> while they're talking to you. That's just very disconcerting nowadays. Right. But this is this is the world that uh, we inherited from the Andromeda Strain generation. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't that uh, isn't that akin to a movie critic providing commentary by uh, looking at Wikipedia? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. We've been there, and we will discuss we will discuss that in a near future you episode. Save that another for another time. Oh my gosh. Um, mm. I can't help but notice, uh, and I'm going to point this out to you, and I, you will have to forgive me for pointing this out to you. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> speaking of naked people, we're, we're in, the, in the middle of, uh, minute, uh, of, of this minute, about uh, second 26 or so. Okay. One can't help but notice um, the, uh, the nude uh, James Olsen standing in next to a metal uh, concave mirror-like uh, object. Ah. Uh, the incredibly enlarged uh, nipple that is in the center of the screen at about second 26. And just, uh, he happens to stand there and it just grows in front of you. And it's just, to me, it's one of the most disturbing uh, freeze frames in this entire movie. Now, had this movie come out, let's say, 15 years earlier, then The Incredible Expanding Nipple would have been a comp- totally appropriate <laughs> title. And, I mean, that could have been the monster right there. Yeah, yeah. It's you just know? astonishing. I mean, I keep thinking of the Woody Allen uh, uh, giant breast chasing after him, Right, uh, yes, Everything exactly. you want to know about sex. And um, I'm picturing, you know, Jimmy Hunt and Tor Johnson out there running around yes. and being chased, again, by The Incredible Expanding Nipple. But I get, uh, I'm sure, you know, and the thing is, editors always make conscious decisions. So let's, let's use this, uh, this take. Um, I'm Although, can you imagine being an editor and working with shots like this, with just with all these crazy reflections and yeah, or, or yeah. being the director of photography of the first place and then just say, well, that's good enough. Good luck editing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. Give me the, yeah, move the film gate a little higher. Here we go. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is an, a very uh, impressive set. I mean, it's. You know, obviously got three walls and a, and a black background so that they could film in there. Um, I just, gosh, this movie, this movie spends so much time doing things that, you know, other than, okay, let's, let's see if we can get somebody without any clothes on and stick them in there with, for minutes at a time. I, right. And, but let's, uh, let's not make it titillating. If, yeah. If that's all right with you, let's let's just let's make it uh, just very, very average. I mean, there's yeah. not a you know, there's not a scintilla of sort of uh, excitement or anything here other than just this is part of the job. And we, and, we you know, I think you, you can thank the editors for not giving you like a solid minute of a, a naked David Wayne doing the same uh, procedure. That's true. Uh, just, that's, uh, you know, one um, one owes thanks where one does. Um one thing, I, we mentioned this, I think, offline just before we started, but uh, trying to keep track of sort of where we are in this in this process. It's not enough to say, oh, this is the uh, sort of the decontamination sequence, because as you said, that's one third of the <laughs> so, film. Yeah. Um, 
But is this the second time that uh, we've sort of incinerated a set of uniforms? Um, I think so. We incinerated the red uniforms, and then uh, okay, we, uh, yeah. we get into incinerating the uh, the yellow uh, the, the, the yellow suits. So so this uh, obviously is a level three uh, uh, operation going on. The xenon. The xenon lamp, which they don't exactly explain at the moment, other than saying, "Yeah, this is a xenon lamp test," which is kind of, um, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a job. That, it's something that tells you nothing. Right. <laughs> Thank, exactly. Thanks. It's oh, fun it, to it, say this is a xenon lamp apparatus. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, somehow it's going to turn into a special effect. You know, right. put this put this fencing mask on your head and wait. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, what's going to happen it's, now? It's, it's fine. It yeah. only hurts for the first week. Yeah, um, it'll, it'll be cool. I, I think we'll probably maybe talk about this more in uh, Wednesday's episode. But um, I, I was laughing at this. You put this whole sort of, as you said, it's like a fencing mask, but it you know, covers everything completely from the neck up with that mesh all the way around that protects the scalp and the facial hair. But what about the rest of the body? Yeah. And, and yeah. what is it that the, the scalp can't take that your, let's just say the, the hair on your chest or your, your underarms, to be polite, what you know? What can that? Uh, what can those handle that your scalp cannot, and and your facial hair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess you don't want to lose your eyelids or something, but it <laughs> it doesn't seem to have anything. Like, is it really that mesh is going to stop xenon rays? It doesn't. It doesn't seem to have any kind of a you know sunglass effect to it. But uh, it looks like it looks pretty. Sure, it does. I, yeah, but I don't know. It's, it'll it'll ends this, this minute ends in a blinding burst of light. So we'll have to we'll have to find out on on Wednesday what happened to poor James <laughs> Olson. Uh, wow. Well, uh, this is this has been a, a fascinating uh, and puzzling minute. But uh, we'll we'll talk some more about all, all these procedures in a little while. Um, how what are you up to lately? Let's see. It's uh, as we were recording this. Uh, it's uh, right at the very last couple of days of July. Normally, uh, I would be sort of uh, recovering here in Oshkosh from our big annual uh, fly-in and air show, our, our, our humble little largest aviation event in the world. And uh, in this world of the pandemic, that was canceled this year. So we, um, we focused our efforts on online stuff and a lot of digital content and things, which I had some tangential involvement in. Um, but uh, I, I think mostly we're all trying to we're all trying to remind ourselves, okay, the, you know, the, the, the sad part, the, the thing that was canceled, those dates have now, those dates that would have happened are now behind us. So it's full steam ahead on, on looking ahead to 2021 and, and planning all kinds of interesting stuff there. Lots of, uh, uh, like heavy World War II presence and, and some other things that were planned for this year that got bumped out. Wow. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get together again in yeah, outdoors and, and within right. six feet of each other. But, here's, uh, uh, we'll... here's hoping that uh, that Project Wildfire comes to the rescue. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh... Wow. Well, uh, for for folks who want to make their comments about what they've been doing over the over their summer vacation and <laughs> uh, for summer vacation, uh, it's always interesting to hear from you. Go to uh, on on Facebook. You can check us out at uh, Project Wildfire on Facebook or at Andromeda Minute on Twitter. And uh, you know what it would help, by the way, this is, I mean, we're still early on in this, uh, in this show, but if you're enjoying the show, it would be a great help if you would stop by uh, iTunes and leave a review of the show. I, you know where iTunes is. I'm, if you're listening to this, you probably checked in and subscribed to iTunes. But, uh, but look for Andromeda Minute on iTunes. And if you could just leave a couple of words about if you're liking the show or not and leave us with like, I don't I think it's five stars or something. If you leave five stars, that would help. 
other people find this show. So that would be greatly appreciated. Um, so anyway, we'll be back here on Wednesday. In the meantime, please keep six feet apart, wear a mask, and uh, you know, uh, wash your hands, please, too. That's always, yes. always helpful. I would and, say in, in the spirit of the film, Jim, I would ask everybody, please devote one-third of your lives to uh, disinfection and decontamination. Agreed. No, no need for the xenon lamp device. Just a simple <laughs> soap and water would, would do the trick. So, so work on that. Um, but we'll, we'll, uh, if, if everybody does, does that, we can get all through this plague as soon as possible. Um, here, but here. anyway, join us here Wednesday, and we'll see you next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.